Well, after years of speculation and months of preparation and days of intense partying, it's all come down to this, the final day of the Olympics. You know, it just seemed like just the other day it was day three, and it was just getting underway, and there's, we've gone through, like, several seasons of weather, weather several different moods and emotions to the country, from, all oh, this is just a horrible thing, why are we doing this, to we're not all that good anyway, to who are we as a people, to holy smokes, we're about to set a record for the most gold medals ever by one country in the game, if we can pull this off. So this, it's, it's just been a, uh, an emotional roller coaster for the collective Canadian consciousness. But at this point, right here in the second intermission, on the last day of the Olympics, we have Canada, UA, all in a final hockey game, and Canada up two to one. Can you get anything? Like, could you have scripted, could you have scripted it any better? Right? Could you have done it any other way? I could have made it more dramatic when it comes down to the last day. They start the game at noon just to mess with us when we're not partying, right? Because like, just in case it's not hard enough to get your ass out of bed and go see a game. Because most of the games I've been seeing have been at 9 o'clock at night. And then this one's at noon. The entire city, the entire country, and fans all around the world, though, whatever time it took, some places at 4 in the morning, they're up and they're watching it. You know, some places they really are, you know, and they're up and they're making their coffee, or they've been staying up all night partying. Because everyone who's a hockey fan, even peripherally, or anyone who appreciates good sports drama, is somewhere glued to a TV watching this. So for all of you people, we're here on the ground soaking as much as we can. For our physical proximity, we're about a kilometer away from the rink where it's actually going down. And, you know, it's, and, and you know, we're, the, we're just one of dozens of bars. They're just completely packed. Clearly, <laughs> I had four beers into the day, and it's, you know, it's barely, it's, you know, it's barely midday, right? It's a little bit, it's a little bit of a surreal thing, but I also can't help but, you know, now that the, the end of the Olympics, you know, you, you feel a little, start to feel a little bit reflective about what's gone down, and I couldn't help but compare and contrast it to the last few Olympics, and the feeling of this last time, the U.S. and Canada faced off in a gold medal game in Salt Lake City, and I was at a pub called The Puck that was right next to the rink, and uh, uh, Dan Fungi and I were talking about it, and, and uh, saying that that was like a really, you know, like this time around, everyone's here, us and the rest of Canada, all around the world, Hockey Nation, Universal is watching this. In Salt Lake City, it seemed like it wasn't that big of a deal. It was just there was this little intimate kind of thing. The pub was packed, and let's just say in Salt Lake City, pubs and bars aren't as plentiful as they are here. But we were at the place right next to it, and just after we walked in, they shut the doors. No one was allowed in, and and it was just filled with, you know, you got to give it up for the Americans for their spirit. And the Americans were just going bananas. There was uh, costumes that, you know, make even some of the fine creativity that we've seen here pale in comparison. I particularly like the girls wearing nothing but a Canadian flag. But that's a whole other podcast. Although i got to say, my favorite costume of the Olympics was at the Swedish game. There was a guy dressed up as a Swedish chef from the Muppets, who oddly on, on Swedish TV, they call him the Norwegian chef. And they make fun of Norwegian. So just these little tidbits of international diplomacy from the fan level that really, uh, you know, differentiate this from any other week in Vancouver. But tomorrow, KK, the tents start coming down, and slowly the city returns to normal. Is it ever going to be normal again, or are we going to see some cataclysmic changes come out of this thing? I'm still pretty excited about the Paralympics. I hope to go catch a couple yeah. of events there, so hopefully everyone will go away right away. Yeah, and those are fantastic events, and I was saying to the sweetie that, you know, we didn't make it up to Whistler during this, but the Paralympics would be a great time to go up to Whistler, and things will be a little bit chiller, and the skiing events, I mean, these are incredible athletes. Although, well, I, I probably will avoid this topic because it has to be kind of worked up. But there were some people that were confusing the Paralympics with the Special Olympics in the line of the sea bus. 
and it got me a little bit ornery. I almost got out my lecture on them, but tried to keep it cool. You know, tried to love them back into in- intelligence or whatever. There's but really not enough information out there about the uh, Paralympics. That's for sure. Now, a few of the hospitality houses are staying open throughout the Paralympics. You know, a lot of them are packing, especially the ones that are beer-centric. I was at Holland House yesterday, and I was talking to the servers, and they're like, yes, tomorrow we pack up, Tuesday we're on the plane. And I'm like, did you actually get to see any in Vancouver? No, we've been here working every day. I'm like, well, that's almost a tragedy in some ways, but a lot of the houses are going to stay open, so it's a great way to be out there still circulating and getting to know some of these Paralympians, too, I bet, eh? Yeah, totally, man. I've met a lot of them out there while wandering around out at the hockey house and all around town celebrating. So you got to have a couple of highlights in between all the arts, cultural, renegade protests, sports events, and everything in between. you gotta get, you got to have a highlight or two. Definitely one of my highlights is meeting Johnny Weir there at the uh, the press conference. You can go backstage with him, and uh, I think I might have accidentally asked him on a date, uh, to which he might have said yes. Uh, so where, where, where are your challenges? Not one of today. I represent the G.I. Joe America apparel. So go, go Team USA. I know you can come back. And what's your other, besides Johnny, where you got another highlight? Uh, other highlights are just getting together the children's meet house kids. Like, we've had so many people coming out and celebrating all the time. And um, everyone wearing badges, people we don't even know. And uh, just meeting, meeting folks from everywhere here, celebrating and watching, watching sports and blogging about it, doing video blogs and stuff. i got to say one of my highlights is being able to catch some great rock and roll. We did the DOA show one night where we stepped away from the whole Olympic brouhaha, walked up Hastings to the heart of the social concerns, as the international media might say, and went and saw some great rock and roll at, at uh, the, the new old rickshaw club, yeah. drinking uh, really? $4 canned beers rather than $9 plastic cup really? beers. So that felt pretty good. Yeah. Olympic celebration. Yeah. <laughs> the Olympics. You owe for the Olympics. <laughs> and they had the, uh, the usual rhetoric up there, and yeah, it's good times, man. I don't know, I felt a little out of place uh, but at the same time, very punk rock, being the only one there to Team Canada jersey. <laughs> you know, I do what I can, and right? Jester hat. And, yes, and my jester hat. Yeah, it didn't have any spikes in my jester hat. So, uh, uh, before you know it, this is all going to wrap up, but uh, the legacy I'm hoping that leads from this is really a sense of that people can talk to each other on the street. People can just kind of get along and be like, like, it's been great having people to talk to on the bus because everyone's up to something interesting. And then also just have a late night transit service. Those are the two big legacies I want. How about you? Uh, I want a Trudeau's Media House movie made by some filmmakers who Irwin first said were cops uh, on the downtown east side. Remember way back in the day when those yeah, guys yeah. were making a glowing hearts documentary and Irwin went up to them and said, uh, are you guys cops? Yeah, yeah. I, I gave them to the, uh, the empirical test to, uh, to uh, the, the trials and tribulations to prove their, their earnestness and their diligence and their effort. And uh, honestly, they've done a noble, noble effort where they've been uh, stalking us now for quite some time and documenting everything we're doing. And when I was watching the clip of that with Boring Hearts film, I was like, oh, that's right, they were there. Oh, that's right, they were up in my house, dude. Oh, that's right, they were following me to Catalonica. So, get ups for them, man. All right, we got third beer coming up. <laughs> um, we got uh, third beer coming up, two are in Canada. It all comes out of this. It's 20 minutes of time. Yeah, time. Yeah, I'm <laughs>